You're listening to AWW Radio, the podcast of American women's wrestling. What is up, wrestling friends? You are watching American Women's Wrestling Radio live on Facebook, and I'm here with, boom, Julia Salata. Uh, welcome, Julia. Happy to be here. Excited. This is my first time being on AWW Radio. I've been mentioned a couple times, but um, excited to be on finally. Yeah, and there was also an article done about you from AWW, something about you uh, suspended for throwing too many bricks. Something like that. Yeah, I try, I try to block out that part of my life from my memory, selective <laughs> memory. So, uh, but <laughs> that gave me a good laugh for sure. Well, welcome. Uh, Julia is no stranger to the women's wrestling community. Um, probably one of the most, if not the most active women in the wrestling community on multiple fronts. Uh, competitively, Julia was the 2018 U.S. Open winner and the 2019 Pan Am winner, a two-time WCWA champ. She's top five ranked at the senior level and in December qualified for the Olympic team trials. I just want to make sure you knew that you did all that. <laughs> and for, again, selective memory. Sometimes I try to block some things out. It makes me feel old and like I've been doing this for way too long, which I have. But um, yeah, it's always nice to get a reminder, positive reaffirmation. Also, uh, Julia is a uh, staff member for Wrestle Like a Girl and, a, and an assistant coach at King University. So, wow, a lot of irons in the fire, a lot going on. Um, and we're going to get into all that in just a minute. But first, uh, we have to hold to our traditions on this show. This is our 27th show. And if we're using the states in alphabetical order, the 27th state is Nebraska. So uh, we need to figure out if there's any wrestling connection to Nebraska. Do you have any wrestling connection to Nebraska? Does that conjure up any wrestling thoughts? Um, I personally don't. I'm currently working with Nebraska on state sanctioning. So okay. that's, that's one thing. That's um cool. I guess the one thing I can think about in Nebraska, when I moved to the Olympic Training Center in 2015, um, kind of the halfway point on that drive was some little tiny town in Nebraska with this one of those, like, you know when you stop in those little, like, truck stop towns and they have, like, big, giant, oversized, like, hokey statues of random things? Like, there's, like, a ball of twine and, like, a toy Indian <laughs> and, like, a dinosaur. And it was, like, one of those. And there's this little diner next to it that was in one of those, like, Airstream RVs is what the diner looks like, you know? Or, uh... So that's where we spent the night, and that's the first and only time I've ever actually been in Nebraska. So it wasn't super memorable that I can remember, but that it's indirectly tied to wrestling in a way. Yeah, I guess. Uh, my only connection, I, I don't have any competitive connection. I can't remember ever wrestling Nebraska or my kids wrestling Nebraska. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're not as active on the, uh, on the, rest, the national wrestling circuit. Um, but, of course, I, I think of Jordan Burroughs. Mm. wrestled for Nebraska and his wife Lauren I believe is from a neighboring town isn't she from Byron Virgin Heidi Lauren Burroughs I know she worked in like the Buffalo area like before Buffalo, she out mm -hmm. that way yeah. yeah okay Buffalo anyway yeah why uh you know if you're talking about the whole country um so other than that I don't have a lot of connection but anyway well there you go our 27th show uh shout out to Nebraska there so uh you staying busy during the quarantine Yes. Um, I, I honestly think I might even be more busy than I was before it. Um, and a lot of it's things that I just didn't have time for before, but uh, I, I have a routine every day. I wake up, I work out, and then I eat lunch, and then I work out again, and then I come home and I watch like six hours of MasterChef. Um, so <laughs> that, that's the main part of it. But um, I'm also doing lots of rest like a girl um, because everything on the NCAA side is currently not stalled, but kind of on pause. Um, I started doing a lot more with state sanctioning. So probably three to four days a week. I'm on Zoom conference calls with a couple of different states, um, working with their task forces to get state sanctioning um, in all 50 states. But um, so lots going on. Wrestling with Girls making a lot of progress, um, getting a lot of things done. And then I'm just trying to stay as active as I can, um, you know, get my workouts in, getting on the mat when I can, um, and just make sure that whenever the time comes and we're back on the mat, I'm ready to rock. Uh, I imagine that there's a lot of conversations to have regarding moving wrestling forward with all the programs and goals and you know uh things that wrestle like a girl is involved in so probably you know being in quarantine those conversations can still happen yeah um on well on the ncaa side of things um like i said we are kind of paused there everything is still on track we haven't like i said we haven't stalled but 
because no NCA in-person things are happening, it's everything's kind of on the back burner. Um, all the proposals that Division One was going to vote on uh, two weeks ago in April, back in the end of April, um, they didn't have those proposals. So the Division One vote for women's wrestling could happen as early as June. It could be as late as October. We just don't mm. know yet. Um, but uh, there are still discussions happening. Um, there have the Division One Council is still meeting virtually. Um, regularly to discuss all the proposals so we're on track it's just going to happen a little bit slower than we thought gotcha. um, with all the state sanctioning stuff uh sally's found that this is a really good time to get things done because everyone has time to commit to something they might not have before again things that were on the back burner we can right. now take the time to say hey let's focus on this so yeah uh, high school state sanctioning has been the big thing we are currently working with five different states uh ohio virginia nebraska alabama and pennsylvania on their state sanctioning efforts, uh, creating these task forces that are designed to kind of attack each different component of what it takes to get a state uh, sanction. I mean, it's not just a matter of writing a proposal and putting some good verbiage in there and hoping for the best. Um, it's taking liaisons from principals and ADs and officials to really make sure everyone's on the same page and moving forward so that um, they can get sanctioned within you know the pretty near future. Um, all these task forces have a planned exit. It's not just like, well, we'll just go and do whatever. It's uh, everything's pre-structured and we're having a lot of success with it so far. So uh, a lot of getting done on that end, but uh, some of it, like the NCAA stuff is just kind of a little bit of a waiting game right now. Right. Where are you right now? I am Bristol, Tennessee. Oh, you're, you're still in Bristol. And, mm -hmm. and what's the, what's the climate of the quarantine been like there, you know, as far as restrictions? Um, so we actually just started opening back up this past Monday. Um, we were in a stay at home for the past three weeks or so. And then Monday, they decided to start opening up um, with phase one, which is restaurants. Um, if you can seat six feet apart, no bar seating. Mm -hmm. um, gyms can start opening back up with like limited um, like restrictions, I guess. I think you can't do any like group classes. You can't do like any kind of like, um, like press press so be six feet. You have to wipe down all your equipment before and after. Um, and I think salons can start opening next week on an appointment basis. So everything is kind of in two week phases. Um, if they don't see an increase in numbers, they can move into phase two after two weeks and then phase three after two weeks, which opens up more and more things each time. But, um, I personally think it's a little bit too soon, but our particular area hasn't been hit super hard. Um, compared to where my parents live in Detroit, where they have more cases in their County than we do in all of Tennessee. So, wow. um, I feel pretty safe here, but. I also think that, you know, even just walking down the street and then what's funny, I'm sorry, I'm going to go on a tangent now for a second. Um, but Bristol is half in Tennessee, half in Virginia. So oh, yeah, I, I, I live in our downtown. Like I can actually see Virginia from my apartment window right now, just looking straight ahead. Okay. Um, so Tennessee has started opening up. Virginia is not, they're, they're kind of still exploding in cases. So I think their original stay at home order was until June 10th. I don't know if that's changed or not, but, but they're still completely shut down. Um, all non-essential businesses. So when I drive in and out of my apartment every day and I drive down the state line, one side of our downtown is like bustling. People are out, all the restaurants are wait, like, you know, people are walking around, everything's like day-to-day -day life. And you'll get the right side of the street or the north side of the street. And it's like a ghost town still. All the restaurants are closed, lights are off at night, you know, businesses don't have their open signs on. So it's, a, it's such a crazy juxtaposition to be driving down one street and see two completely different sides of the current state of affairs. Um, wow. it, it's pretty wild. Uh, what about the wrestling room? When is that going to be open? That's a great question, man. Um, I've been, like, a lot of our national team calls with USA Wrestling have been discussing what uh, policies and procedures are going to be, at least for the training center. Um, once we resume training, national team camps, all of that. Um, I think USA Wrestling is going to, like, set down, like, recommendations for, like, reopening club practices and stuff. I don't think they can mandate anything, but at least saying this is what USA Wrestling suggests, which would be um, testing athletes before they can return to competition and, and regular testing at, at different intervals, um, limiting partners. So I think, you know, saying like, this is your one partner for the whole day. And like, this is who only for you. That's your wife. That's your technique. That's your drilling. That's everything. And maybe only having two or three partners all week and you stay in your same group or, or just something like that. But um, the landscape of training for wrestling is going to look a lot different once we're done. Um, at King, we're obviously done for the year. So, when the girls come back in August is when we'll get back to practice. It's, it's going to look a lot different, not just for us, but for everyone. Yeah. I was going to ask you how the King women are doing. Are they, are they scattered to their, you know, respective. Yeah. yeah everyone's back home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone's back home. Uh, we've been doing weekly zoom meetings. We actually do them on Wednesdays um, in the afternoon. Just kind of check in, see how everyone's doing. Um, well, last week we talked about like our peak and pit of quarantine is kind of like our icebreaker. 
um, we've been doing like workout groups to kind of gave the girls some autonomy to create their own workout for the team for the week. So they're in a group of four, they have like three days. We're going to do a, they can do a cardio, a yoga and a hit day or a upper body lift, a lower body lift and recovery day, like whatever it may be. But each week, one group is assigning the workouts to the team. So making sure they're still staying active in addition to what they're doing on their own love and they've been running and doing yoga and stuff. Um, but you know, there's still a lot of questions. Um, and more often than not, we do have the answers, but there's some things we're like, I don't know. Like, like what's, what's going to be the procedure when we come back in August? I don't know yet. I, I, you know what I mean? I, we can assume, yeah. we can guess and speculate, but um, we can't really forecast what's going to happen both as an institution and, and as our own program. Yeah. None of us have ever done this before, right? Yeah. It's uncharted waters. Uh, you know, yes. Never done a pandemic myself. So, <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, the rest of this interview is going to go like a wrestling match. It's going to be three periods. Okay. Because there's, there's three main parts of your life. We've got King university. You're an assistant coach. Uh, we've got wrestle like a girl. I got a few more questions around that. And then, uh, lastly, you're still a competitive athlete it's at the senior level. So I want to welcome any audience questions on Facebook. Feel free to ask Julia Salata any questions. And um, when I see them, I will bring them to this interview. And uh, and also, I got this shirt on here. How about that? Love it. Supporting my... Let's match. There we go. There we go. <laughs> this one's too bad. My, yeah. my horse yeah. in the race, Julia Salata. Love it. Um, that's uh, if you want to support Julia's uh, run at an Olympic spot, they can do that. Right, you still got shirts available. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I have a. I did a second order, but it's like exercises on hand. I think I have at least a couple of everything right now. Um, so just shoot me a message on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, and I'll get you hooked up. All right. And I, I will tell you, they're very comfortable. They're good to uh, work out in, but they're also good to model in. Um, my More wife. My wife dug it. Um, she she held my hand on her walk uh, because I look so hot. Big win. They look good on guys too. So, all right. Um, well, first let's talk about King University. Um, let's look back now at the 2019-2020 uh, season. Can you talk about you know where is the program at right now? Like how do you if you're doing a state of the union with uh, you know King University wrestling, uh, what would you say? We're in a good spot right now. Um, we do have a really young team. Uh, we had almost primarily sophomores in our lineup, a couple freshmen. Um, we had two juniors this year and we didn't have a single senior in our lineup. Um, we did have one who was unable to compete this year. Um, she was out, but in terms of like our starting lineup and the majority of our team, um, we didn't graduate a single person. So the future is really bright in that regard. Not only is it not like junior heavy, we're sophomore and freshman heavy. So a lot of positive things, a lot to build on. Um, it can be frustrating sometimes because they are young. So sometimes they make a lot of mistakes just out of, um, I don't want to say immaturity, but inexperience. But that's almost kind of fun that way. If we were already wrestling to our potential, what's the point of coming to practice every day? These girls still have room to go to grow and uh, they're hungry to grow and they want to improve. So we're heading in the right direction for sure. Yeah, you, our, you're good looking forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, our national tournament wasn't what we wanted it to be. We felt that we underperformed. Um, but again, like that gives us room, room to improve. Uh, one of our team, we kind of have a four plus one team model thing, but one of the things is like mistakes are feedback to embrace positive discomfort and um, to always be coachable. So if we apply those three things going forward that are the mistakes we made at nationals are feedback, mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna be really successful moving forward. It's unfortunate we didn't get to improve upon those immediately. Um, you know what I mean? We were kind of looking ahead to, to world team trials and uh, the or, um, Olympic trials. So we didn't really get that opportunity, but neither did anybody else. I mean, everyone's in the same boat in that regard, yeah. but uh, yeah, really, really happy with where we're at. Uh, we have a really good recruiting class coming in. It's actually one of the biggest recruiting classes we've had in quite a couple of, uh, at least the past three or four years as well. So I'm excited to finally get back to work and get back on campus in August, which seems like a lifetime away right now. Um, but uh, we're going to have a good year next year. Uh, who are some of the recruits that are coming in that, uh, you know, the program's really excited about? Uh, we just signed Anya Drury from California, um, past kid at World Team Trials runner-up, past Fargo Junior runner-up, uh, California, four-time California state finalist and state champ. So she's going to be really tough. Uh, we signed Melanie Mendoza from California, who was a cadet Pan American gold medalist last year, um, also very tough. Um, and then we have, th those are the two big ones. There's a couple that aren't announced yet, so I can't say anything. 
Um, but uh, we're, we're definitely moving in the right direction um, and filling the needs. I think that was the other big thing too, is that we have, like I said, we're a really young team and we are solid right now where we're at, but we really had a couple of specific needs. Um, this year, we didn't have 16 pounder at nationals. Our 16 pounder, Danny Garcia, tore ACL back at the U S open. Hmm. Um, and she would have been an all American, no doubt. Um, top four, I think easily. So not having her hurt this year. So we were just making sure we really fed the needs and that we had backups. We were left in a situation this year where we only had one, one pounder. And when she was out, we were done. So, um, I think we're, we got what we needed and, uh, we're, it's, it's going to be good. Can you talk about, uh, Cheyenne Sissenstein? I mean, her freshman year, she, mm -hmm. she was great. I think, you know, she was definitely, uh, on the radar by the end of the year. She all American, of course she had a broken ankle when she all American that mm -hmm. first year at WCWA. Um, but I got to say, when I went to MoVal this year and I saw her, that was her first tournament back, right? MoVal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's like she came back at such a high level and she, she kind of held that all year. You know, I know that she lost that, that finals match at, um, I, I'm going to get this right because I'm trying to help the cause of uh, WCWC at the National Collegiate Women's Wrestling Championships. Okay? Yeah. Not, not the WCWC Nationals. Not the NCAA Nationals. It's the National Collegiate Women's Wrestling Championships for NCAA teams put on by the WCWC. There we go. Um, yeah. You know, and Cheyenne lost there to, to uh, Alex Hedrick, um, whom she'd beaten at the national duels. Uh, I mean, all that to say, she had a great year, and she mm -hmm. looked great even against, you know, top level, even some senior level talent. Were you surprised at that? I mean, what have you been seeing in the wrestling room um, that would make you not surprised if you – if you weren't, um, like I said, like if you knew shy and you watched the way she works every day, it would be 0% surprising. Mm. Um, I have a video from the beginning of the year when we first came back, um, both shy and also Ana Luciano were out from nationals last year, WWA nationals down in Georgia until October of this year. Um, and they both, Ana came back week before shy did, you know, they got cleared. So I have this video of them from like the second week of September, we were doing something. Obviously, they were out. They weren't wrestling yet. But they were, like, on their knees, like, hand fighting on the sidelines for, like, 45 <laughs> minutes. Just, like, beating the crap out of each other's head and, like, pummeling. And, like, we almost had to be like, guys, calm down. Like, I know you're on your knees, but, like, you look like, more energy, please stop. Like, I don't um, – like, over this – like, last summer, I would, like, send shy, like, workout challenges. I'm like, hey, I think you can do this without using your ankle. And she would, like, send me videos, like, all day. Like, I got better. I got better. I got better. Like, mm. she – and that's how she – I mean, she has – perfect grades 4.0 GPA works her butt off in wrestling is I mean that's just her personality is just to do what she can um and not make any excuses for herself I, I think that's what sets her apart from a lot of people is she I have never heard that kid make one excuse mm. um in almost four years of knowing her I'm going back to Fargo a couple of years ago yeah really. um and she also just loves to learn I mean she's almost like she likes being bad at something because it means she can get good at something like when she learns a new technique like she has to be like, she has to learn and understand it and get better. Um, and not only that, but she can apply things that she learns very quickly. Um, you know, they say you have to like do a technique a thousand times before you can hit it in a match. And that's not shy. You could show her something like a day before and she'd go and hit it like three times in one tournament. Um, just, just very naturally gifted in that regard. But, um, you know, she attacked her rehab hard. She trained hard. Um, and it, like you said, it, 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 that tournament probably didn't end the way it should have for, but when you consider where she was at, even, five, six months prior, we're not even wrestling yet. Um, it's pretty incredible what she was able to accomplish this season. Yeah. And she's, she's an example too, isn't she, of how folk style, like if you're good at folk style, it can translate to freestyle mm -hmm. with some hard work over, you know, a relatively short period of time, because going back to her senior year in high school, of course, you and I were both on that coaching staff for New York. Mm -hmm. And I believe that she had only wrestled folk style up to that point. And that summer was the first time she wrestled freestyle. She goes to Fargo, places fourth, ends up going to Wyoming Sam. And of course you guys recruited her. Um, and look at the success she's had. So, I mean, in some ways, you know, you're looking for good wrestlers in any style. Um, and, and I think, I think young women who have only wrestled folk style need not be afraid of the freestyle transition because with good coaching and some hard work, I think Cheyenne Sissenstein is a great example of what can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Wrestling's wrestling at the end of the day. Um, really up until the, I, I'd even probably still say it. I haven't wrestled folk style in 10 years, but I was a significantly better folk style wrestler than I was at freestyle, but I liked freestyle way more. So I always kind of like threw myself in it anyway in the summer during high school, but, um, it took a while like getting into college until I really started embracing freestyle and 
applying it to my wrestling. And at that point, I already had a solid foundation of folk style. So yeah. actually saying like, I'm going to actually try and wrestle freestyle now instead of I'm going to wrestle folk style freestyle rules. And I got over that fear of like, oh, I'm better at folks. I'm better at folk style. I was like, right. hey, I like this. I can be good at this too. And then I realized that so many, I mean, the fundamentals are the same. I mean, like, can you get into stance? Can you take a penetration step? Cool. You'll probably be pretty good at freestyle too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's just a lot of, you know, getting out of that fear of doing something different, doing freestyle, and then realizing that, you could be just as good at freestyle if you know how to wrestle. I mean, it's it's just, you know, six, one, half dozen of another in a lot of ways. It seems like King has depth, you know, at a lot of weights. I know there's some, obviously some, uh, you mentioned 116 where you had a hole there. Um, but, you know, just running down your your lineup, Jacqueline McNichols, Alyssa Asival, um, Allison Pettix, Ana Luciano, uh, Phoenix. And can you help settle this for my brother and I? How do you yeah. say Phoenix's last name? Bose. It is Dubose, okay. Mm -hmm. We didn't know if you went with the French, you know, Dubois. Didn't know mm -hmm. if you all right, got We're it. We're not that fancy. <laughs> Dubose, okay. Ashlyn Ortega, Haley Cancellier, Nia Crosdale. Uh, where would you say King is the deepest right now? Um, well, this past year probably at right around twenty three thirty. Um we had yeah. two All Americans at both one twenty three and one thirty. Um yeah, so that, that's definitely where we're at. Um, starting next year, we're going to have a lot of depth at 116. Like I said, like we only had 116 pounder this year and she got hurt. Um, she might be registering this year. I, I think it just depends on where she's at in the fall, but we want to make sure that we had some depth there. Um, so we're going to be really deep at 116 next year. And as a result, 123, some of those girls might bump up, plus we have right. Phoenix and Shy. Um, and 136, we're going to be 3643 with uh, Drury coming in. And then Ana Luciano, Ashton Ortega is still there. Uh, we have Skylar Novak coming in from Illinois, who's going to make an impact there as well. Um, and then one other one that we're talking to right now that's also pretty tough. Um, so th those are going to be those middleweights. We're going to be stacked next year. Uh, reminder to our Facebook audience, feel free to ask any questions, and I'll bring them into the show here with uh, Coach Julia. Um, all right, the wrestlers in the King lineup that give Coach Salada the you know tough live goes are? That, that I'm When I'm wrestling them? Yeah. Ashlyn. Ashlyn is miserable to wrestle. <laughs> Absolutely miserable. And like anyone that's watched Ashlyn wrestle knows that she likes to hand fight. I and mean, that's a big part of her wrestling is getting pushing and pulling people and getting them kind of guessing. But you don't know how obnoxious it is until you actually get in there with her. Like I hate it. Like I like wrestling with her because I need it and it pushes me. Um, and I, you know, when I take it to my offense, I still beat her. But uh, <laughs> up until that point, it's like, this is terrible. I need to get in on a shot right now because I, I hate this. Um, and she's, she's a sweater. Like, you know how there's some people are just like, they are sweaters, her and Haley Cancellari. So on top yeah. of it being obnoxious to hand fight it with her, you also can't get your hands on her because she's just <laughs> so slippery. So, um, but, but she's a great partner for me. I mean, she really pushes me a lot. Um, we do a lot of like one-on-one -on -one stuff together outside of the room as well. Yeah. Um, but not because it's fun, because it's productive. Is it <laughs> like, like, what, like when, uh, when one of the wrestlers in the lineup wrestles coach Salada, is it like the state finals? Do they elevate like, Oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta go right at her. You know, do, or do you feel um, it coming at you? It kind of depends. Someone like shy. Yeah. Cause shy is just like so determined all the time, yeah. but I don't think any of them have an ego with it either. I don't think any of them are like, you know, I'm like, no one gets worked up about it. It's just kind of like, oh, I need to step up for sure. But no one's like acting like it's like the most important match of their entire life. Um, right before nationals, actually, it was one of the last practices before we left. We were doing like sparring. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm going to come in. I'm going to jump in with every single person. Like I'm going to go down the line. I'm going to do at least one go with all you guys. So they spar yeah. One just to give them a different look. And two, I wanted to get a workout in that day. Yeah. Um, and like, it was almost more fun wrestling with like our little one-on-one and 109 pounders than it was the girls my weight. Because they're, again, like they're so determined, like their chef's puffs out, like, oh, I got this. And like, I can kind of, yeah, yeah. I can kind of play around with them a little bit, but, um, but they move so much. Like they, like, I thought like, as I've gone down a weight classes over the years, I'm like, man, girls at 62 move their feet so much. And then I wrestle like Jackie McNichols, who like yeah. hasn't stopped moving her feet since she was born 20 years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, slow down for a minute. Like, this is, mm, stop, stop. But, yeah. uh. It's fun. We have, we have some fun goes too. And some intense ones as well. Um, talk about your freshman, uh, Tavi Heidelberg. Yes. Uh, seems like she came on the scene. I mean, I know she was wrestling early on, but her results seem to drastically improve throughout the year. And then, um, what she, what she takes second at the, uh, yeah. NCWWC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was always tough, uh, right at the beginning of the year, she actually got a concussion, um, was out for quite a few weeks. Okay. Um, 
then she got back. She kind of had some stuff where she was off the mat for a little bit. Um, but once she actually got on the mat consistently, she was 100% cleared, ready to go. Um, she really started seeing improvements. One, because she was training consistently. Um, she was healthy. And two, she kind of got the feel of just wrestling in college. I mean, being a freshman at heavyweight, um, I mean, you're, you're wrestling a lot of bigger, stronger girls sometimes. And, and she actually probably should be a 70-pounder. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the way it kind of worked out this year, because she didn't compete early in the year, um, she wasn't in the OPC, so she couldn't start her descent plan as soon right. as she wanted. So, I mean, she probably weighed in at nationals at like 183 and she ate a full three course meal at Applebee's the night before. So, um, I think we're just kind of getting comfortable with collegiate wrestling at that weight and just getting healthy. And once she was, she started cruising. So, uh, she's gonna make a lot of improvements this year as well. And, and she's gonna be a contender, obviously for the next three years. Haley Cancellari going to be okay. She is, um, you know, we kind of talked about, it. she had actually a health issue come up right before nationals. Um, yeah. so I'm pretty serious. So she's going to be out for about six months. And that was back in February. So assuming everything goes well, um, you know, on our Zoom call the other day, we talked to her, she said everything was going well. So she should be back on the mat in August um, and be ready to go and ready to rock. And again, someone that I think probably wouldn't have been an All-American this year. Yeah. And I think guaranteed All-American, I just think it's a matter of um, where she would have played. She was coming on really strong at the end of the year, um, getting a lot more confidence, but I'm excited to see what she does next year. Yeah, I mean, New York, of course, being in the New York community as well, we were rooting for her, and you'd have to put her in the category of best college wrestlers that have an All-American yet. Yes, yeah, yeah. definitely. Her day's, her day's coming, though. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, that's the first period. Now, we're talking folk style, not freestyle in this interview, right? So if it was freestyle, it'd be a, a two-period interview, but it's folk style, so it's a three-period interview. We just got through the king part of it. Okay, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to put on your Wrestle Like a Girl hat, and we'll do that. Got a few questions around that, but first intermission uh those who do interviews with us know it's not just an interview julia it is a game show okay so i'd expect nothing less yeah we're gonna switch gears here and um we're gonna do a little segment called julia knows because you're so involved in the wrestling community not only that i know you like international wrestling i do Mm -hmm. so um we're gonna do a little thing uh that's just trivia for you to see how much you know how deep your knowledge goes (laughs) on the spot oh man all right all right here we go Number of questions here in our segment, Julia knows. True or false, Azerbaijan's Maria Stadnik won silver medal at the 2019 World Champions World Championships. False. She won gold. That is correct. Oh, by the way, can I tell you what's on the line? Tell me. A, a crayon ring. Woo! Yeah, my son. Love makes- it. We've been giving them out to our uh, interviews, you know, interviewees and contestants who win the game show portion of the show so dig it yeah if, if you get if you get the majority of these right we are going to send you a crayon ring okay question number two so so far you are you got that correct what was the final score of that match multiple choice 10 0 10 0 10 10 1 13 0 or fall oh man she teched her i know that 10 0 it was 13 0. Yeah, she scored four at the end, huh? Yep. Yep, we got, yeah, finished with a four. Okay, number three, true or false? Team USA's Tamara, uh, Tamara Mensa stock gave up only two points at the 2019 World Championships. True. She gave up four. Zero. Oh. Okay, you're one for three. Hard. I like it. Got to got to pick it up here. Okay. Okay. Tamara Mensa-Stock wrestled who in the finals at the 2019 World Championships? Sarah Dosho of Japan, Jenny Franson of Sweden, or Germany's Anna Carmen Schell? Jenny Franson. Correct. Yeah. Just a Dosho in the quarters. Um. Yes. Yeah. I think you're right. It wasn't even the semis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, number five. The first U.S. women to win an Olympic medal was, true or false, Patricia Miranda in 2004. True. That is true. That is correct. Next question. She actually won the first ever medal in women's wrestling because her bronze medal match, like, she's bronze medal match come before gold medal matches. So the first medal ever awarded in Olympic women's wrestling history went to Patricia Miranda. Is that right? Fun fact. And that yeah. is why, and that is why uh, we have in women's college wrestling the Miranda Medal. Yes. That's the equivalent of the um, the Hodge Trophy for women. 
Okay, number six. The other woman to win a medal that year for the U.S. was multiple choice: Sarah McCann, uh, Takara Montgomery, or Clarissa Chan. Sarah McMahon won silver. Well, lost, took silver, uh, and lost to each other in the finals. Right? You are amazing, Julia. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, here we I go. I had to bounce back. I had a little bit of a rough start. Yeah, you had, you had a rough, uh, you were only hitting 333 in the first few, but you're, you're picking it up here. Ooh. Okay. Japan's Yoshida, never, true or false, never lost a match in her career before she lost to Helen Maroulis in the 2016 Olympic Finals. False. She lost to Kablova at one point, and someone else beat her too. Some, oh, Marcy beat her. Marcy Van Dusen beat her. You're amazing, Julia. That is correct. I think she lost two, maybe three matches, uh, not at the World Championships, but she did take some losses. Okay. Next question. How many world titles in a row had Yoshida won before she lost to Helen Maroulis? 11? Just world titles? 12 or 13? Just world, not world and Olympic? Uh, we'll include Olympics in that. 11, 12, or 13? I want to say 11 or 12. I'm going to go with 11, but I don't think that's right. That is correct. It is 11. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, she won 13 straight that she competed in, but she did not compete in 2014. So she right. won two, took a break, and then won 11 straight before she lost to Marulis. Wow, you're doing right. great. Okay, true or false? NBC's coverage of Helen Maroulis' gold medal match sucked. <laughs> Big facts. Big facts. <laughs> I did not, I was watching, I was there live, and I just remember, like, because like, I was, like, tweeting about it, and people are like, oh, we don't know because we can't see it on NBC. Sorry. I'm like. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Here. <laughs> I don't even think they put it in the ticket. Embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Okay. Well, that was an easy one, but you got it right. <laughs> Okay, true or false, the number of girls involved in high school wrestling in the 2018-2019 season was 21,124. What was it? Wait, say the question again. The number of girls involved in high school wrestling in the 2018-19 season was 21,124. True. That is correct. Yeah. Well, you're on a streak, my friend. Okay, next question. Got a, just a couple more here. True or false? Both Kennedy and Karina Blades won Fargo national titles last year. True. That is correct. Man, you are on fire, girl. Trying. Okay, got I two more. Myself. Looks like you're gonna win the ring. Sick. All right. Uh, question number twelve. Abby Nettie was the first wrestler in Campbellsville's history to win back-to-back -back WCWA titles. False. <laughs> That's an easy one, right? Yeah. Who's the other one? Kayla. Kayla Miracle. Tierra Scott might have, too. Maybe not. Perhaps. Maybe not. Perhaps. Okay, and then final question. True or false? Referees like Coach Julia Salata. <laughs> I think it's probably 50-50 split. They either hate my existence or they think I'm great. And there's no in between whatsoever. <laughs> I guess there's no way to answer that one uh, yeah. incorrectly. So we'll give it to you. Julia, you, you had a slow start, but you finished with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 straight. Winning Sick. the crayon ring. Take that, Yoshida. So congratulations. You won the ring. And good job. So we have confirmed today on this show Julia knows. Maybe that should be a, a second shirt, Julia. <laughs> I'm here for it. Okay. Now I want you to put on your wrestle like a girl hat. Just got a few questions surrounding that. And yep. uh, I see our online audience is picking up a little bit. If you have any questions for uh, Julia Salata, who knows a lot about the women's wrestling movement um, on the state and national and college scene, feel free to ask those questions and we'll bring those to Julia. So what is the mission of wrestle like a girl and what's your role? Um, our goal is to empower women of all ages um, through the sport of wrestling, uh, at the youth level, high school, collegiate, even internationally, um, and just kind of help the sport advance both for the athletes and to just kind of increase exposure and to educate people who want to get involved. Um, prior to all this, we're doing a lot of like coaches education stuff, um, teaching coaches how to deal with having female athletes on their team, especially at the high school level and 
just who we can to promote the sport. Uh, my particular role, at least, well, was, still is, was the collegiate initiatives program manager. So I was overseeing all the NCAA efforts, um, not so much with NAIA, but a lot of NCAA work. Um, and then more recently, due to the NCAA stuff kind of being on pause, I've been doing a lot of state sanctioning stuff. So working with the task forces I was mentioning before with Virginia, Alabama, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Nebraska on helping them get women's wrestling sanctioned in their states, um, just kind of supporting them as needed. Um, can you talk about the, the state of um, women's college wrestling, in, particularly, in particular the NCAA? I know there's been a lot of ground taken. Um, I think, could you educate us a little bit on when will it be sanctioned? What has to happen for sanctioning you know, to, to move forward? So it's kind of a longer process than what I think people understand. Um, the first big thing was getting NCAA, uh, NCAA divisions two and three to vote yes on emerging. Looks like we lost Julia temporarily. She's coming back. There's what happened there? Weird. Weird. Um, yeah, but the first thing was getting, um, NCAA divisions two and three to vote yes on emerging sports status back in January. And then division one was supposed to vote um, back in April, April 23rd and 24th was I believe when that vote was going to take place. Um, that got put on pause because the division one council could not uh, meet due to the coronavirus. So what my contact at NCAA, Gene Merrill from the Office of Inclusion has said is that um, it's still on the table, it's still being discussed. And that vote could take place as early as June or as late as October. We just don't know yet. Um, I have no reason to believe that it won't go our way, but anything could happen. I mean, with, with the way things are going, um, it's a little bit of a different landscape than it was a few months ago. Once Division One votes, we now enter, well, we already are an emerging sport. So even if Division One voted no for whatever reason, or they don't get to vote anytime soon, Division Two and Three still move forward with emerging sports status. So that doesn't change. The next step, uh, we remain as an emerging sport until we get 40 programs nationwide. That's combined division one, two, and three. Once we have 40 programs, we have to maintain those for one full year. And at that point, we'll go back to the NCAA convention to the vote and they'll vote again on championship status. So let's say everything goes our way. We hit 40 programs this year. Um, we'll spend all of the next year maintaining 40 programs. If that happens, so we're looking at probably 2022 now, 2023 at the earliest, they would go back to vote at the NCAA convention, say, do you approve women's wrestling to become a championship sport? At that point, if we have 40 programs, it'll most likely go through and we become a championship sport. The thing with that is that we might not have a championship effective immediately. So that proposal would be, do you vote yes on women's wrestling? And then part of that proposal would say, starting in what year? It might not be the very next subsequent year. It could be a few years out. Right. One, they just need to get their, kind of get their act together with that. Um, that kind of sounds negative, but I mean, like getting, putting together like a committee for women's wrestling and getting people to oversee it, compliance and governments, and just kind of assemble that. Cause right now it doesn't exist. We have our group of stakeholders that's kind of running the show with NCWWC and everything, but the NCAA would now have to create their own group of women's wrestling and kind of get that settled, which takes time naturally. The other thing is that the NCAA operates in two year budgeting cycles and they need to find the funding to put on this championship. Um, only a few NCAA sports actually turn a profit and every other sport operates on what those other sports revenue are. So like indirectly the March Madness tournament would help fund women's wrestling later on down the road, um, putting on championships. So they'd have to establish a budget and all the financials for that in order to put that championship on that alone. So I think maybe the proposal would have been for like 2024, 2025 for it to be approved um, with the budget and everything put in place. Now with coronavirus, I think that'll most likely get pushed back a little further because there are, you know, all these championships are reliant on the revenue generating sports with March Madness getting canceled, with NCAA Division One championships yeah. for wrestling getting canceled, which is one of the few revenue sports. Uh, baseball was a revenue sport and they got canceled this year. The NCAA is millions and millions in a hole right now from revenue they were expecting to get that they didn't. So mm -hmm. I think that's going to push our potential championship back a little further even. Mm -hmm. So it's a slower process. It's not a bad thing. It's just the nature of the beast and the way the NCAA operates. So it's not a stall. It doesn't mean that it's never going to happen. I think it's just um, a much more longer road than people might expect or realize. Every time uh, we post about this on AWW, uh, there always seems to be some people who uh, are most interested in like, I don't know, the marquee 
uh, traditional Division One wrestling programs having women's wrestling. Like mm-hmm. they say things like, when is Penn State and Ohio State and Iowa going to have women's wrestling programs? Um, I, I think the, you know, the programs like King and, you know, like um, Campbellsville and, and Menlo and, and uh, you know, McKendry, I think they're all doing a great job with their programs. But how realistic is it that those type of, um, you know, well-known, established, traditional men's programs are actually going to have women's programs added in the near future? Um, I think it's going to happen eventually. I think it's still further out that people realize again. Um, especially now, I mean, with all this like ICAC stuff happening, like schools are like trying to drop programs right now. Um, so the chances of a division one school adding a program right now, when right now they're asking for approval to like have less than the required, do you know, you know what the ICAA or ICAC stuff is? Um, so essentially universities are asking for permission. So in order to be an NCAA uh, member school, you have yeah. to have a minimum number of athletic programs. Okay. And right now schools, because of coronavirus, are losing money naturally. And they're asking the NCAA for permission to have below the minimum number of sponsored sports and still uh, remember, remain a member of the NCAA. Yeah. So essentially they want to cut sports. Like we just saw with ODU and like, we're going to start seeing more often now. Right. Um, so because they're trying to drop sports right now, I don't think adding a new sport is really on the horizon anytime soon. Um, that's not to say it's not going to happen. There's actually a division one that's probably going to get announced in the next couple of weeks. Um, so it's still in the works, but I think it's a little bit further out. I think the other thing that has to happen is someone's got to pull the trigger. Um, I think once you have like one or two big 10 schools at it, it turns into an arms race. Now all the big 10 schools want to add, add it. Right. I just gumbled that sentence so bad. Yeah. Um, or like once you have like Oklahoma state at it, I think all the big 12 schools are going to want to add a women's wrestling order to compete and, and just kind of, um, continue to raise the bar and kind of one up each other a little bit. So yeah. I do think it's coming. I don't think it's like 10 years away, but I don't think in the next two years, we're going to have, you know, 40 of the 70 plus NCAA division one schools having women's wrestling, um, just something else for budgeting and financial reasons, but it's, it is going to happen though. What, what do you say to those who criticize the, um, the speed of the growth of women's, especially college wrestling? Uh, there is that that criticism out there that it's growing too fast and because of that we can't fill lineups and it's watered down recruiting what what are your thoughts about that i'm probably not the person to ask because i don't entirely disagree um i don't and it's a hard thing because no one wants to be that person says like stop creating opportunities for girls like how dare you create more college spots to give more money to more high school athletes you know what i mean like no one wants to be that person it's true you know what i mean like we're trying to grow women's wrestling at the high school level one of the easiest sales is that the easiest sales pitches there are so many collegiate opportunities there are so many scholarships out there with coaches desperate to fill rosters um they don't even care about quality right now they're just like i need to build my numbers and and get some girls so i have money to give you um and no i know and i agree with that too i I want these girls to have opportunities it's good for the sport especially at our at our uh, age group levels but not entirely a bad thing because in order for programs to start adding it, they need to see that there's some kind of interest for it. You know, a Penn state isn't going to add it if we can't even get it added at division two and three schools. So it it is a good sign to sign that people are starting to accept women's wrestling um, and that it's growing and it's popularity. But we, I think we also need to take stock of where we're at right now um, and maybe slow down, but that's not like, you know, there's no board of women's wrestling. that's going to say, Hey, stop adding programs, everyone. Uh, it's the decisions made on institution by institution basis. And if they determine it's going to be profitable for them and give them the returns they're expecting, um, whether it's tuition dollars or otherwise, um, who's to stop them. So it's definitely a tricky subject, but I think at some point it is going to level out. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's going to be okay, but I think it is something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, final question regarding uh, Wrestle Like a Girl. Could you just lay out, like, what are some of the big projects and goals that Wrestle Like a Girl has right now moving forward? State sanctioning is the big one right now, yeah. uh, primarily because it's the one thing that we can really put a lot of effort into right now. Uh, a lot of, like, like, one of our big things at Taylor Bakker overseas is our camps. Right now, there are no camps happening. Um, we had to cancel everything that we already had scheduled, so that's kind of on the back burner. Uh, coaching development, which is headed up by uh, Katie, is also kind of on hold because a lot of it was in person, can't do it. Um, we start looking at doing some things virtually, which is kind of our next project, but um, that's kind of on hold as well. So our main focus right now has been these state sanctioning efforts, and we've really dived fully into it. Uh, like I said, we're working with five different states right now, um, all at the same time, to create these task forces and 
we're already having a lot of success with that and getting organized and, and pushing in the right direction. And I think we're going to be adding on a couple of states as well here in the, in the pretty near future. Um, and then I'm still doing some NCAA stuff, um, like with any updates that happen, we're, we're sharing that, but there's nothing uh, currently really proactively being done other than just, you know, offering support. Um, you know, there's people that contact me about getting wrestling started at their school. So we're still doing some stuff, but right. there's no one big project that we're focused on other than um, just kind of supporting where we can and uh, making sure that the division one vote is still on our radar whenever that happens. Would you recommend like, uh, you know, I know there's a number of, of high school wrestlers who are going to uh, colleges that don't have women's wrestling, but they want to wrestle. So they're starting like a, a club. Is that a good stepping stone to having yeah. a program at the school? Or do you often see that step just, you know, bypass and go right to establishing a program? And more often than not, it does go right to establishing a program. But right. if there's no interest from that school and like starting one, like if it's not even on their radar, starting right. a club is the way to get your foot in the door. Okay. Um, just to make women's wrestling even known about some of these athletic administrations might not even know that women's wrestling exists. You know, yeah. to us, you know, you and I live in the women's wrestling world. We know right. this is huge, but to the average person, it's still like, wait, women's wrestling isn't even a thing. Yeah, I didn't even know that was that? Oh, for it. So, oh. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah. So I, I think it's a, a good way to get one, get your school to recognize that women's collegiate wrestling is a thing. And two, to kind of start establishing yourself, coming up with some kind of a budget, getting equipment, getting uniforms, even on a smaller scale, it's four or five girls. And then once you get to a point where you feel comfortable, maybe going to your athletic administration and saying, hey, this is what we've been doing. We've been able to compete in this many tournaments. We have this many girls on our team. What do you think about giving us some kind of startup budget and maybe you know, being a full-fledged, um, like fully funded sport at the school? So it's a step in the right direction. And if anyone has, you, know, you and I were talking to Izzy last weekend uh, right. about starting a club at the University of Michigan. So, you know, reach out to me. We have a lot of documents that you can support um, that'll help support you uh, and go into your administration if you want to have that conversation. But they said it's not the most common path, but it is a functional path and a good way to go about it. Could you give out a few handles for people who want to follow what's going on with Wrestle Like a Girl and just, you know, keep up with news, you know, you personally or the organization? Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing I'll go to is the WCWC website. It's the Women's Collegiate Wrestling Coalition. Anything that's happening with us on the NCAA front with emerging sports status or our collegiate programs is all going to be on that website. Um, our Facebook is obviously Wrestle Like a Girl. Our Twitter handle and Instagram are, I want to say they are Wrestle Like a Girl, but there might be an underscore in there somewhere. But if you type in Wrestle Like a Girl, they'll come up. Um, right. Facebook is probably where we share a lot of our information, a lot of our links and everything. And then my own personal handles for both Twitter and Instagram are at jsalata. Um, I post a lot of updates of things that I'm doing, and then I retweet a lot of the wrestling girl stuff as well. And then obviously following Sally Roberts, who is our CEO. Um, she does a lot of cool stuff, not just wrestling girl, but um, with like ESPNW and like the Women in Sport Foundation. And she's always involved, always traveling and, and just kind of following her adventures is pretty fun as well. All right. So that the second period of our, our folk style interview is over. Okay. So you've worn the king hat, you've worn the Wrestle like a girl hat. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to put on your your athlete hat. You're still a competitive athlete, and we're going to finish the interview asking questions about that. And again, welcome anybody on Facebook who has any questions. But first, okay, for intermission here, before we ask those final questions, we're going to do a segment called Hot Takes. Okay, cool. some questions. I don't, you don't mind, you know. I know. I I know that you got to be careful, okay. But I know you don't mind giving your opinion. There have been a few mm. that you posted on Twitter from time to time. So uh, whatever you're comfortable talking about, here we go. Hot takes with Julia Salata. The WCWA, stay, go, or evolve? Go. We don't need it anymore. <laughs> I mean, without getting into it, I mean, the, the time to split is now. I mean, it, it was a great placeholder. It was good while it lasted. But we're now moving on our own separate ways, NAI and NCAA, and it's time to get rid of it. No need. All right, that's, that was a pretty straight up answer. Appreciate that. Moving on. Number two, with the teams that went to the WCWA Nationals this year, King would have won the WCWA, true or false? True. Think you'd uh, be able to take down Campbellsville in a duel? No doubt. Okay. All right, you heard it here. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Coach Lee set up that duel next year. As long as, long as, as long as he doesn't hate me and he still hooks me up with some of his awesome hot sauce. I don't know if you know this, but Lee Miracle has his own hot sauce company. What? It's called Oh My, and it is phenomenal. It is so good. You're so next, next time you see Lee, 
ask him to try his oh my hot sauce. It, it's it's quite literally in the vernacular and figuratively and literally fire. It is fire. Well, I'll have to do an interview with him, and there's a lot he and I could talk about, but I'd have to bring that up too for sure. Hot sauce. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I got I got kids who are addicted to hot sauce, especially red hot. Yeah, it's good. It's different. It's not like a buffalo sauce. It's like it, it's just different. You gotta try it. It's purple. Really? It's purple. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Hey, I'm I'm a gamer. Mm-hmm. All right. Hot take. Next hot take. King versus Menlo in a duel. JM and I did the hypotheticals on this a lot. Um because that's what we do when we're bored. We just like sit through and go through like hypothetical lineups. And I think it would have been a close duel this year. Um, our matchups, you know, where they're tough, we were tough. Um, so I, I think it would have been close. I think on, you know, if we wrestled that duel 10 times, it would have gone five times their way, five times our way. But I, I think we could beat them. All right. That's that. It's still confident, but safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That was like a, it was a take. Wouldn't say it was a take. Yeah, that, that was just honesty, right there. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next hot take: girls high school wrestling, freestyle or folk style? Folk style. Stick with it, huh? It, it's it's easier to get your foot in the door with folk style being established. Um, we'd be fighting a lot longer with some of these state associations to make it freestyle. So the easiest way to get it done and path of least resistance is folk style. All right. Last one: the best college division, NCAA or NAIA? NCAA. No for question. Sure. Huh? For sure. All right, there you go. Hot takes with Julia Salata. You heard it here. Go away, WCWA. <laughs> King Get would, out of here. King would beat Campbellsville. No more dumb arguments about freestyle in high school. Keep it folk style. And clearly the NCAA is the best division. And King would split with Menlo 5-5 if they wrestle 10 duels. All right, thank you, Coach, for that. Yeah. Let's move on now to the final uh, – Period of this folk style interview, we're going to talk about your senior level career. Um, I mean, I got my shirt on here. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's obvious. We did have some folks asking uh, before I did this interview, wanted to know if you're still going to make a run at 2021. The answer is obvious, right? You're still training? That's the plan for right now, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I had to reevaluate some things. And I, I think it's no secret that I was planning to retire after this year, whether it was after the Olympic trials or after the Olympics. So, um, I think I'm just gonna kind of take it month to month as long as I'm feeling good. I'm gonna compete in Olympic trials no matter what. Um, but you know, I was supposed to have some surgeries in the fall, get some things fixed. So I'm gonna have to be a little more careful with my training over the next year. Um, so I think I'm just gonna reevaluate every month and, and still train, still compete, and, and make a run for sure. But uh, just gonna go about it a little bit differently than I did this past year. Okay. Obviously, you're doing a lot. How do you balance your training and all the work that you do? <laughs> I don't sleep much. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Uh, a lot of time management. I mean, I have, I don't, I don't know if I really want to show you my apartment that much, but you can see over there. Don't worry, Julia, you froze up when you moved it. So whatever we were about to see, we did not see. Let's see if she comes back here. Okay. This is uh, this is great radio. Me interviewing a, a still shot of Julia Salata. All right. We'll see if she comes back here. Oh, there she is. All right. She's you there. Yeah, you're there. And we have a still shot of you also. Excellent. Love it. Yeah. My laptop just like bonked out. I don't know what happened there. Okay. No um, problem. So on my phone now, but uh, yeah, over there, you can see my fridge. I have my, wall calendar um i also have one in my office and pretty much everywhere where i spend even an hour a day i have a calendar in there so i know exactly what i'm doing at any given time um yeah working coaching full-time working wrestling a girl full-time training and wrestling and jujitsu full-time and then i also bartend at a brewery on weekends so i i do a lot for sure but uh that's how i like to operate you know i'm not the kind of person that up until recently during quarantine i, I wasn't the kind of person that could just like sit at home and watch netflix for five or six hours in a row um, I always like to be productive. And if I have free time, I feel like I should be doing something with that free time. So luckily with coaching and competing, um, those kind of go hand in hand. I'm still on the mat every day. Um, I have great partners. I don't do, you know, that's too much, not too much to get off my back. It's pretty easy to manage, but, um, you know, like after I'm done with the wrestling for the day, like I have to go change and go to jujitsu. And like, that's kind of like, <laughs> I'm already exhausted. So then I do that. Um, 
and luckily all my wrestling and girl stuff is remote um a lot of that I can do on my own time if it's at 10 o'clock at night I can do it at six o'clock in the morning I don't really have set times to do things so um just staying organized is the big thing and I'm able to manage so you're hyper intentional yes for sure uh question from Facebook mm -hmm. uh from uh coach Kevin Corbett yeah. oh boy <laughs> uh MMA yes um that was always kind of my original plan. Um, I started training jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai about three, three and a half years ago with the intention of fighting. And there was a period of time, it was one summer, um, I didn't make the world team and I was actually looking for a fight for about a year and a half. And it was so hard to find someone to fight me. Um, one girl had originally offered it to me. We said yes. And then she said, no, never mind. I was offered a fight actually the week before final leg, so I couldn't do it. Um, and then since then, like no one will take the fight. Um, this isn't a huge MMA area. So there's not a lot of female fighters to begin with. And the ones that are, are all, they're all amateurs. And if the first thing you do is Google my name, my team USA profile comes up right. and these girls don't want to fight someone that they think they can lose to MMA is so political in those regards. Like people try to like jockey matchups, like in wrestling, it's like, I don't care who's my weight. Like, let me at him. Like, you know right. what I mean? You don't, whereas MMA people and it's to make a career. I mean, you have to have a good record in order to go pro and make money and, and make a career out of it. So I don't know if I want to play those games for the next three years. Now with the Olympics getting pushed back, um, I'm going to wrestle another year that I need to get surgery. So it's still on my radar and I'd still like to fight. I think I'd be really good at it. And I, I, I have to step in a cage at some point just to say that I did it. Um, but I'm not as focused on it as I was previously. Um, Jiu-Jitsu, on the other hand, I'm, I'm going to do that for a while. Um, I'm actually planning on competing at Worlds this year. If they reschedule it, they were postponed. Um, and I, I want to win a world title in Jiu-Jitsu. And, and that's so much easier on your body. You can do that for a while. So, no but that's, that's, yeah. Oh, oh it's, I actually feel better when I do Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I have a bulging disc in my back. Yeah. And when I'm training Jiu-Jitsu consistently, that I have almost no pain. Um, when I'm not oh. training, I'm like crippled. So uh, I'm going to do that for a while. So that, that's definitely on my radar. That's a whole other career waiting to happen still. What motivates Julia Salata to compete? I, I think that that answer has changed a lot over the past couple of years. Um, when I was in college, I just liked winning. High school and college too. I, I just loved to win. Winning was really fun. And I did a lot of winning. I, I still do a lot of winning. Although the, you know, the more you move up the ranks, the harder it gets with the senior level stuff. Um, now I think it's more the fact that I, I feel so blessed to have the opportunity to compete. Um, you know, as I came to what I thought was the end of my career over the past couple months, I really reflected a lot on how lucky I was to be able to do this every single day of my life. It, you know, I just turned 27 last week. Uh, when you're a kid, I mean, you dream of doing whatever sport you choose at the highest level. Um, and then even still, you probably, your career ends, you know, when you're in college, whatever it may be, after you, you finish, you play your last college game, whatever it is. And I'm 27. I still get to wake up every day and train and compete and travel over the country and hang out with my friends in cool places. And, and that's such an incredible opportunity that I think a lot of people take for granted and not, you know, we, I think we just get jaded to it. You know, all of our friends wrestle and our, you know, our friends group all do this. So it, it seems so normal to like, yeah, of course I go to six countries a year to compete and train. Like doesn't everybody. And, and that's not the case. And uh, I think that was my motivation for even training through this last cycle is that if I didn't wrestle one more cycle, you know, the 2020 cycle, like, I would have regretted it so much at 40 years old like thinking about what the best times of my life were and to not do that for as long as I could and as long as my body allows me to would it wouldn't be right um I owe it to myself and uh I'm, I'm just really lucky to be here and, and still be competing and still training and and be in the conversation to make an Olympic team talk about some of the young talent coming up on the scene I mean there's you know you're seeing a very high level um wrestler come out of high school now I think comparatively, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're coming in ready to compete at the senior level. Can you talk about some of the, uh, you know, some of the young talent that's coming into the senior level? I mean, there's kids that are coming to make an impact right away. And there's always kind of been those top tier girls, but I think we're seeing it more and more often now. Um, and it's less of an anomaly when you see someone that's competitive straight out of high school. Um, or, you know, still in high school, already being competing on the senior level and winning. I mean, Tiara E.K. won the U.S. Open last year is what would have been a high school senior. Um, Emily Schultzen placed last year. And, and some of these kids are just so incredibly talented. And it seems like it's happening more and more often. Um, and it's really promising. I mean, on one hand, it's annoying because I have to work harder to beat 18-year-old kids. And I feel like I shouldn't have to do that because I've earned my, you know, earned my stripes a little bit. But uh, 
as just a proponent of women's wrestling, it's so exciting to see these top tier girls coming out um, more and more frequently. I mean, they're, they're so talented. They're so focused and driven. And, you know, it's not just a matter of like, oh, women's wrestling is growing. It's the fact that Team USA has a very bright future. Um, and ultimately, that, that's the goal. You know, I mean, we want to build world and Olympic champions. And it seems we're definitely heading in the right direction. And I think a lot of that is due to USA Wrestling's focus on the age group development levels over the past couple of years with their cadet world teams and junior world teams. Um, and Morano did a great job before going to beat the streets. Jess Medina is doing a great job now. And they're just really trying to get these girls involved at a younger age and helping them develop um, into successful senior level athletes. So I got to commend USA Wrestling on that as well. They're, they're really making that change happen. If my competitive career ended today, what I'm most proud of is? As an athlete? Or like overall? Yeah, as an athlete. As an athlete? I don't know. That's a hard one because like, obviously you want to say, well, what's your biggest accomplishment? Like, oh, I won the US Open or like, you know, I, I qualified for three Olympic trials. But I, I think, and I'm not just trying to be deep here. I think a lot of it is just like, what I was able to accomplish as a result of my competitive career. That, that, how I describe that? Like what I'm doing today is a result of who I was as a wrestler. Like everything I'm doing with wrestling, like a girl coaching, I was given all of those opportunities because I fell in love with the sport when I was 14 years old. And through being an athlete, I kind of developed this platform and I kind of found a voice that has allowed me to give back to wrestling in ways that um, now people have the opportunity to do. And it all started because I was an athlete, um, because I had an experience as a collegiate student athlete, because I was a senior level wrestler, because I've gotten to travel the world. Um, I'm just really grateful for those opportunities, like I said before, and what I'm going to be able to do moving forward in my career um, has all been a result of being a competitive wrestler for so many years. If my competitive career ended today, my regret would be... I have a lot of them, man. Um, I think a big one was having shoulder surgery before the 2016 Olympic year in 2015. It, it set me back really far. And I still think that I wouldn't have done, I would still have had shoulder surgery, but would have pushed it back until after the Olympic year. Um, and I think another one was just not kind of, I don't want to say clean my act up, but it wasn't until the last couple of years. That I really started focusing on like taking care of my body and nutrition and doing things the right way. Um, kind of because I always kind of got away with like eating like crap and like I wrestled whatever weight class I wanted to because I could and like I, I at the time I didn't see it as ego but I do now I just think that I thought like oh I'm, I don't need to worry about that stuff like I do fine without it and I, I think had I known how good I feel now and how much better my body feels when I actually take care of it and do my rehab and do my recovery because like in college I was like I don't need to do rehab like I probably could have saved myself a lot of injuries if I had just done rehab um and, and just kind of taking those little things a little bit more seriously um because for a number of years i did and, uh, I, I regret that a lot final question mm -hmm. advice for young female wrestlers and there's a lot of them today i think it's kind of like this is so cheesy and it's actually on a pin on my keychain so i can't believe i'm about to say this right here it says it's a pin from disneyland that i got during the ncaa convention but it says follow your path um and I think that really ties in because not every girl that wrestles is going to be an Olympic champion. As much as we'd all like to believe that, like, I can be an Olympic champion in this sport, you can, but not everybody can do that. It's a very, very slim percent of percentage of people that can do that. But women's wrestling can afford you so many opportunities that you might not even realize at the time. And everyone's going to create their own path as a result of wrestling. Kind of what I was just talking about is how many things I've been afforded because of wrestling and the professional ambitions I have now, you know, in my career, whether it's administrating or coaching or whatever it may be, have all been because of wrestling. And I think it's wrestle because you love wrestling, but when it starts opening doors for you, don't be afraid to go down one of those paths. It might be coaching for some, um, for some it might be just wrestling in college and being able to, you know, wrestling as like 25% of our athletes are first generation college students. So maybe it's just being the first person in your family to graduate from college and then getting your degree and being able to pursue a professional goal that might not have been possible for you otherwise. Um, so embrace wrestling and wrestle because you love wrestling, but also don't forget about all the other things that can be afforded to you as a result of being involved in such a great sport and all the friendships you make um, and really just enjoying your career for as long as it lasts because it can end tomorrow and it can go on for 10 more years. But when that day comes, you're probably not going to be ready for it, but um, there are bigger things ahead. And it's, it's just such a great sport to be a part of. Well, Julia, thanks for the time. Um, we enjoy watching your career. We appreciate all that you do for women's wrestling. You are um, 
probably one of the women's wrestling community's best friends. And uh, we, uh, we respect you for that and we appreciate you for that. And uh, thanks for the time today for answering all the questions and congratulations on winning your crayon ring. Can't wait. I'm pumped. <laughs> and, uh, and again, uh, you can follow Julia on Instagram or um, Twitter. You don't have a TikTok yet? No, I refuse. I don't even have the app downloaded. I won't do it. Uh, I fortunately, unfortunately, just started one uh, on Easter morning. The problem is that I, I know I would just kill endless hours on it, and I need to be productive. Yeah, so I can't. Yeah, I can't. It has that effect. Well, all right. Well, thank you, Julia, again, and God bless you. And uh, you uh, stay safe, and uh, we'll keep watching where your life and career goes and appreciate the time. Cool. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to AWW Radio.